Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I'm your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. It's Iowa State Week. And with that, I welcome Alex Halstead, writer for Cyclone Alert. And you can hear him on his podcast, Cyclone Scoop. Alex, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. Good to talk to you, Chris. Uh, I'm headed to West Virginia this weekend for uh, the first time, so I'm interested to kind of see what it's like out there and uh, see the stadium and all that. So it should be a, an interesting game. I know uh, West Virginia's kind of had Iowa State's numbers, number in the past, and uh, I think there's a lot of different things that we can discuss here today that you know, kind of make this an interesting matchup this weekend. It's funny you said that, that about the having the number thing, because looking at last year, man, that was just a brutal day for West Virginia and Will Greer, Iowa State, just hounding him with that kind of – I don't know how to describe this defense that Iowa State runs, uh, but it just perplexed West Virginia last season and, and really caused them a lot of problems. Like like I've not seen for that offense with Will Greer, David Sills, Gary Jennings, all these NFLers. What is it that they're doing on defense that, that kind of just spooked West Virginia last year and, and they're carrying over this season? Yeah, that's that's been probably the biggest storyline under Matt Campbell and really the last couple of years is is what this defense has done particularly in the Big 12, because, you know, we're always talking probably with each other and other people in the Big 12 about these high-scoring games. And uh, Iowa State's got one of the longer streaks in the country of holding teams below 30 points. They've, you know, played a lot of lower-scoring, lower-possession games. I think part of that's Matt Campbell's style. Um, you know, I think he, he has that mindset of trying to, you know, not get into shootouts, although they've been in, in several of those as well, especially with a team like Oklahoma State. But the biggest change came a couple years ago. Um, they got off to a slow start, and they decided to change their defense completely. Uh, they went to a three-man defensive front, a 3-3-5 defense. So you know, you've got five defensive backs, three of them safeties. And that's really when the change started is, you know, from there, you know, we've seen them look a lot different. So they're not always getting a ton of pressure with those, those three defensive linemen. Uh, a lot of their sacks actually come from their linebackers on blitzes. You know, their leading um, sack guy is their middle linebacker, Ryan Vance. He has a sack in every game, six and a half sacks this year. You know, he's on pace to to break the single-season record at Iowa State for sacks, and, you know, he's doing that from the linebacker position. So you're not seeing a lot of pressure up front, but those guys up front have been good in the run game, which has allowed them to do different things. But, you know, the thing they did to Greer last year that they've done with different quarterbacks, or at least tried to do, is kind of a cloud coverage, you know, with their star safety, Greg Eisworth, you know, preseason all Big 12 guy, he kind of roves around and sometimes you don't know where he's going to be. And so, you know, when you talk to other coaches uh, from other teams, you know, that's a lot of what they bring up is that you have to be aware of where Greg Guysworth is because, you know, he kind of makes things cloudy and they try to confuse uh, opposing quarterbacks. So we'll see if they can do that this week. You know, Kendall's got a lot of praise from Matt Campbell here and um, they know that, you know, the talent he had coming out of high school and, and how he's starting to adapt in that offense. And, with this defense, I asked you this in our in our written Q and A as well, but I, I kind of wanted to discuss it as well. The 
how would you describe it so far if you had to use a word? Because we've been talking just now about, I feel like from a West Virginia perspective, it's been dominant. It's been uh, smothering, at least last year. And then what I've seen so far this season, you know, through, say, I think I've seen parts of four of the five games so far, um, it seems pretty darn good again. But when I, when I was prepping for the week, I was going through the stats, and, and a lot of the stats are kind of just middle of the road. Uh, is that, you know, just stats don't tell the story? What's going on here? Is the defense living up to what is to be expected this season? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of things. So, you know, one, I think sometimes their stats are a little bit situational. Their defensive coordinator, John Haycock, talks about how um, this is a defense that does allow teams to move the ball a little bit. You know, their kind of goal is you, know, you can move the ball a little bit between the 20s, um, but their kind of big focus is, you know, third down defense and, and red zone defense. So sometimes you'll see teams move the ball, and obviously it's been pretty good in the red zone, and at least in terms of, you know, forcing field goals. Um, so they're pretty good in, in, in that aspect. Um, they've, you know, kept them in pretty much every game. I think, you know, there were some lapses in the in the fourth quarter against Baylor, uh, that after Iowa State mounted its big comeback, you know, Baylor goes on a, you know, three-minute game-winning drive. And and that's that was kind of a maybe a talking point with that defense is, you know, them finding ways to get off the field. Because their biggest struggle this year, up until probably Saturday against TCU, was third-down defense. A lot of teams just converting it. And sometimes converting on third and longs. You know, they've given up a third and 16 this year. They've given up a third and 22. They've given up some third and 10s. Um, third and long actually sometimes causes them a little bit more trouble, it seems like, because you know, they're dropping seven or eight guys on, on most plays. And so when you're doing that and you, and you don't get pressure, you know, mobile quarterbacks especially have hurt them at times because, you know, they're dropping guys. And, and if the mobile guy can sit back there, eventually he finds a hole and um, has had some, you know, chunk plays. So, you know, there, there's different things in this defense that I think um, have been a struggle. I think third down defense is one of those things. It, it improved last week. We'll see if it continues to improve. Uh, mobile quarterbacks at times have had, have had opportunities to, uh, get loose, especially on critical downs. Um, so those are two things. I think the one thing also that they've talked a lot about that they need to get better at is forcing turnovers. Uh, they don't have a lot of turnovers this year. Now, they had a strip sack for a touchdown Saturday, but not a lot of interceptions. They've had some near misses. Um, you know, they've lost two games by three points this year, uh, lost by one point to, you know, top 25 Iowa and uh, two points at Baylor. And, you know, they they had opportunities to get turnovers in those games, but they didn't, you know. They've lost the turnover margin, you know, I think three times this year. So, you know, they've, they've got to be able to create more turnovers and, you know, their third down defense needs to continue to improve. Those are probably the two stats that, you know, kind of have kept them from really reaching their potential. But you know, they've, they've kept them in every game. You know, when they've lost games this year, it's been really on the offense. You know, you lose to Iowa 18-17. They had, they had opportunities and, you know, got across midfield a ton of times and didn't score. Baylor, they started down 20 um, to nothing in the fourth quarter. But, Defensively, they're actually pretty good, but uh, their offense couldn't do anything. Their offense crossed midfield five of seven drives in the first half and got no points. And so a lot of a lot of the defensive struggles at times have kind of come from the offense. Um, but I would say that you know their defensive coordinator prices they have some some areas to continue to improve. Uh, offense. When we think of offense with Iowa State, uh, it's Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy. Uh, he has been receiving plenty of praise from West Virginia, including from head coach Neil Brown. Um, and, and over the past few years, Iowa State has had a, a ton of weapons as well, uh, including last season when Purdy was throwing to uh, wide receiver Hakeem Butler 
and had running back David Montgomery. Both of those guys are gone. Who's helping Purdy now? Yeah, that, that was a big question coming into the season is how do you replace David Montgomery, who's now with the Chicago Bears, and how do you replace Hakeem Butler, who's now with the Arizona Cardinals? You know, guys that you know, you're always planning to have to replace guys in college football, but guys that left early. And so you, their replacement's maybe not as immediately there. Um, I would say receivers come along a lot quicker. Um, you know, they've kind of – it's hard to replace them with one person, but they've kind of replaced the production with multiple guys now. Um, they've got four really leading receivers. Uh, DeShante Jones is the guy they're going to target a ton. Um, you know, he's had uh, 16 targets in the season opener last weekend. I think he had 11 targets. Uh, there's games where they're going to target him a ton. It's not like that every game. It kind of depends on the defense, you know, because DeShante Jones is their slot receiver. And so a lot of what you'll see them do with him um, is screen passes or short little passes and try to get him in space. And so he's just because of that going to be targeted more. He's been targeted like 47 times in five games. Um, you know, so he, he he's just stepped into a bigger role. Uh, but then they've had some other guys kind of, you know, step up. LaMichael Petway, the graduate transfer from Arkansas, is one of their top four receivers. And really the biggest thing that they've done this year to replace Butler is they're using their tight end um, a lot. Their second receiver in terms of receptions is tight end Charlie Kohler. Uh, he's third in yards. Uh, they target him about five, six times a game. And so, you know, they're using their tight end a lot, something you don't see a ton in the Big 12 uh, in terms of tight end usage, but they're using him a lot. He'll attach. He'll split out wide. Uh, there were times in the first couple games where they put three of their tight ends on the field. So the tight end has become a big part of this offense. Um, like I said, Kohler, you know, I think he's on pace for, you know, 700-plus yards and 50-plus uh, catches, you know, both numbers that will be up there in Iowa State history if he continues to stay healthy and they continue to utilize him that way. But the biggest thing with them is they've spread the ball around a lot. You look at Saturday, Deshante Jones had 10 catches, and then you had nine receivers with one catch each. So, you know, they 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 – had uh, 10 different guys with catches on Saturday and actually targeted 11 different guys against TCU. So they're spreading the ball around a lot more, which is something they didn't do as much with Butler because you're throwing to him so much, but uh, they've kind of found success in the passing game without Butler, but the running game is a different story. Their leading rusher right now is the guy you mentioned, Brock Purdy. Um, so it's been kind of a five man race. Johnny Lang is stepped up. He's kind of a shorter five, not five foot nine shifty back. Um, he's their second leading rusher at 72 yards Saturday. He's starting to emerge. Uh, but they really have not found a true replacement for David Montgomery, but they're hoping that, you know, Purdy starts to open some things up as he did Saturday with a hundred yard game. Uh, again, I feel like just like with the defense, when I look at the offense, the, I'm not sure the stats are, are telling me what my eyes are seeing here. Cause aside from, I, I get, well, I guess TCU, they, they did all right there too, scoring 49 points, but Iowa State is averaging over seven yards per play. And it, again, 72 points against Louisiana Monroe, I think kind of skews the, the scoring for them so far this year, but only 21 against Baylor. And, and really what I think all 21 of that came in say like one quarter mm -hmm. uh, and then 17 against Iowa and then needing triple overtime just to get 29 against Northern Iowa. So is, is this offense – is it good? Like it, what is it? Because the stats tell me they're good. But when I look at the scoreboard and, and when I look at the results, I, I, I wonder. Yeah, that was the story through the first four weeks, four or five weeks, I guess, because there was a bye week in there uh, early, is you know, we were all writing here probably about what is going on with this offense because they've moved the ball. Every single game they've had 400-plus yards of offense. Um, like you said, they're second in the Big 12 in yards per play. 
Um, that skewed maybe even a little bit because of Louisiana Monroe, where they averaged 10, per, 10 uh, yards per play, but they've averaged seven plus yards per play in a couple other games as well. Um, you know, they were up there against Iowa even, um, which is probably the best defense they've played. So, you know, they've moved the ball. That has not been their problem. Actually, before Saturday's game, they had 39 drives in regulation, taking out that overtime because you're starting um, you're starting over, obviously, in your opponent's territory. So 32 regulation drives um, in the first four games, 16 times they got across midfield, um, you know, really anywhere between the 30 and the 50, 35 and 50 and didn't get points, whether it's a missed field goal, whether it's a sack that they're forcing the punt, whether it's just a straight up punt, a turnover on downs on fourth down. You know, 50% of their drives through those first four games did get across midfield and didn't get them any points. And that's kind of where you see that skewed number is, you know, they've got these yards per play. They've Your total offense has been good. Purdy's put up good numbers. Uh, the running game hasn't been quite there every week, but it's been okay at times. And yet there's not been a lot of points for it. Like you said, 17 points against Iowa, 21 against Baylor. All of those came in the fourth quarter. Um, it's been streaky at times. But when it's been good, when they finished drives, they've been really good, like Saturday against TCU, Louisiana Monroe is kind of different. So, you know, they've done it in spurts, but they, they need to find ways to do it consistently. And, you know, they're hoping to start to string that together. They've looked better um, really the last five quarters, uh, but that's what's going to be interesting here, you know, against West Virginia and then Texas Tech, you know, the next couple of weeks is, can they continue to do that? Or is it going to go back to this, you know, get to the 38 yard line, have a false start and end up punting on, you know, fourth and long. You know, because that, that's really been their biggest struggle off, offensively. If there's been one story that's been how good they've been at times and why they're having these these issues across midfield in what they call the high red zone. Um, you mentioned this before we got on the air, but this, this seems like an important stretch for Iowa State because once you get into November, uh, Iowa State goes to Oklahoma and then welcomes Texas in back-to-back weeks. But before that, it's at West Virginia, at Texas Tech, and against Oklahoma State, three winnable games and three very losable games, I guess is if losable is a word. Uh, what what's, what are the expectations and aims? And what would you say is a successful October with those three games? Yeah, the, the expectations going into the season were quite high. Um, you know, I think people are. I think people would tell you anything below eight and four, they'd be disappointed, but their expectations to be in this big 12 race through November, whether they made the big 12 title title game or not, it was to, you know, be in that race nine and three type season is what people were discussing. And, um, you know, they, they kind of set themselves back by losing two games by three points, whether it's to Iowa or going on the road and losing at Baylor. Now Baylor doesn't look like it's going to be a bad loss by any means. You know, they're, they're off to a two and start and look like they're probably going to be pretty decent in the big 12 and, Iowa's still a top 25 team with just the loss uh, at Michigan. You know, so they haven't had a bad loss yet, but it also kind of puts you in a little bit of pressure situation to, to win some of these games if you want to still live up to some of those expectations. Now, you know, Matt Campbell will downplay all that and tell you that they don't really listen to outside expectations, which you, you believe, you know, players have their own expectations that are probably higher than even, um, you know, what media is putting on them. But, uh, yeah, this is an important stretch because of that, um, you know, the they're favored this weekend. If they if they were to win, they'd probably be favored against Texas Tech. You go back home, you're potentially favored. You know, I know that that doesn't always really mean anything, but they're in a situation where these are big games in the next couple of weeks. Even though they're both on the road, the you know two longest road trips in the Big 12 for them. Um, that makes that makes it pretty difficult for them in, in that sense as well. Um, but before you stare at the face, Oklahoma State, who's just a high scoring team. 
uh, a bye week, Oklahoma and then Texas. You know, if you don't win a couple of these games, it starts to put you in a hole. Um, the one interesting thing that we've seen with Iowa State is they've been better in October and as the season's gone along under Campbell. Uh, back in 2017, they started uh, two and two, then went five and three the rest of the way. Last year, they started one and three, um, and then went seven and one the rest of the way. This year, they started two and two. Um, you know, now they've started October one and zero. They're eight and zero across the last two plus Octobers now, um, and so they've been really good in October. Um, it hasn't all been just the schedule. You mentioned at the top; they beat West Virginia in October last year. Uh, the year before, they beat TCU, um, who I think was top five, and Oklahoma on the road. Um, they've been good in October for whatever reason. They've seemed to kind of find an identity in that month. Um, but, you know, they've got some tough games because they got to go on the road um, and play, you know, two good offenses. You know, West Virginia last week, you know, I think, what was it, 21-17 going into the fourth quarter. So I don't think whether they're favored by nine or ten really matters uh, because they've not had a lot of success at West Virginia in Morgantown. Um, and it's a long road trip, and you add a lot of different factors in and uh, kind of continues a, a tough stretch for them. Wow, that is uh, Tony Reale stats guy kind of uh, stat there eight and zero over the last uh, couple of Octobers that that's impressive I did not know that and that is um, wow that's yeah, the, good for the, Matt Campbell that's good for Iowa State yeah the crazy part is there's two team two Power Five schools that have gone that have not lost in October from 2017 18 and then now into 19 it's Iowa State and Alabama and uh, that's probably about the only time you're going to hear them in, in that company but uh, it's been it's been interesting it's been kind of a weird story to write about the last couple of years because I think you saw it in 17 okay that happens where you have a perfect month and then you get to the end of last October and they're seven and0 and people are asking Campbell why you why do you guys start so slow in September but you've been good in October and then this year the talk was about how fast they needed to start in, in September now they're off to a one and0 start now there's still three more October games but it's just been the story every year is they're starting slow and then something there's, you know, Campbell kind of puts it on there. They're finding an identity where they finally found how they got to run this offense without Montgomery and Butler and different things. But it's been kind of bizarre to see basically now three straight seasons unfold similarly. Um, it, we've come to the portion of the program where I'm going to ask you for your, your prediction. And uh, before you do that. I want all the West Virginia fans listening to know that you can find Alex at at Alex Halstead, H-A-L-S-T-E-D, no spaces on Twitter. Uh, send your hate mail there. Uh, and you can find him at iowastate.247sports.com with Cyclone Alert. So, Alex, what you got for us? What, what do you think? Like, <clears throat> I mean, we'd all love a, a score prediction, but how do you see the game going? What, what do you see this playing out like? Yeah, I was looking today at the the SP plus, you know, projection. Just sometimes I like to just kind of see what what all those numbers say. I think IRC is like a 10 point favorite and SP plus has them by 14 points. And I was talking to someone the other day and I, I think there's going to be fans that that you look at that stuff and like expect Iowa State to go to Morgantown and win by two scores, you know, just because those numbers all point to that. And I think it's going to be a, a much more contested type of battle. Um, you know, I think for Iowa State, the biggest thing for them this season's been when they've took care of the ball and, and they've finished drives, you know, they've had success. Um, their defense has been really good in the run game. They've, they've allowed up some chunk plays in the last few weeks. Um, I think TCU had like, you know, four or five, you know, 20 plus yard passes and they've, they found some success. I think, you know, Austin Kendall's going to find some different success, but they've got to try to find ways to, um, to force some turnovers and, and take care of the ball. Um, I can't remember what the weather looked like there. It looked like it might be another rainy, 
type game for them unless that changed. But they've, they've played a lot of those rainy, sloppy type games this year. I think it's rained in like every one but one game um, for them. So uh, it's been an interesting season in that regard. And, and they've turned it over early in the season, but we're pretty good the last few weeks. So I think that's really their big key for them. But I think it's going to be a, a closer game than maybe some of those projections say. I mean, you look at last week and the way West Virginia stuck in it into the fourth quarter and then it looked like a crazy fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think it could come down to a few plays like that in the second half um, for Iowa State to try to to, to take a, a win back to Ames. You're right. It is going to be in the 50s and rainy. Uh, a lovely October afternoon in Morgantown this Saturday. I, I'm sure you're excited for your first trip with that kind of weather. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we've dealt with here, even in Iowa. You know, you look at the Iowa game, there were delays in the game. It was not a, a cold day. It was in September, but two delays that combined for nearly three hours. Um, so that was a long game. Last week, they were supposed to kick off at 11 a.m. They put The Big 12 pushed it back to 1 p.m. because it was lightning and stuff. Um, and then the sun ended up coming out, but it's rained almost every game here. So uh, maybe it's Iowa State bringing that rain out there. <laughs> well, I think that'll wrap us up for today. Uh, folks, you can find Alex at Alex Halstead at Twitter. Um, and you can find him at iowastate.247sports.com with Cyclone Alert. Uh, you can listen to him on his podcast and me later this week on Cyclone Scoop, his podcast for the 24-7 Sports Network. Um, and over on earsports.com, he will be joining us in the written word, for those of you who do not care to listen to this. Uh, and we will have uh, five things to know about Iowa State. We will have some recruiting updates, a visitor preview, and Mike will have his fresh set on Friday night. So be sure to check back frequently. Alex, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I'll see you out there in, in Morgantown this weekend. All right, and everybody, thanks for listening. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.